Hello, my name is Tim Redman and I have been a volunteer narrator for Calibre for the past four years. I was introduced to Calibre by a friend via the Beaconsfield Talking newspaper, which I started volunteering for after taking early retirement. Curiously, when I was a young boy in the 1960s, a friend of my mother's pointed out that I spoke so nicely I would probably become a BBC newsreader. Well, that didn't quite happen, but reading for the local talking newspaper 50 years later was a close second. I suppose my interest in public speaking did start at an early age, at school, when I was taken to elocution lessons from the age of about six or seven, and something must have resonated within me. I also remember that in English classes, I was always secretly wishing I would be the one called upon to read out loud from the latest novel we would be studying in class. This desire did backfire one day when I was asked to read a passage during the whole school assembly. Reading from the book Bridge on the River Kwai, I came across the word fiancé. It was possibly the first time I noticed word blindness and undiagnosed dyslexia kicking in. Financier, finance, finance. I struggled for what seemed an age and completely stumbled over the word. You can imagine my embarrassment in front of hundreds of boys. Despite an enthusiasm for reading out loud, I didn't start acting until I was about 16 or 17. I grew up with a love of theatre and in my early teens I worked backstage and built scenery. More of that later. But for some reason, when I changed schools to take my A-levels, I decided to audition for the school production of the musical Salad Days, getting a small part. Then the restoration comedy The Rivals by Sheridan, where I got an enormous part with hundreds of lines. After that I was hooked, and over the next 45 years I went on to act in hundreds of productions, mostly musicals. I combined my acting with a long and varied career in business, which concluded with nearly 30 years working for the Reuters News Agency in a wide variety of roles from IT to archive management, and it was there that I first started my voiceover work. We were producing a series of training videos, and having some reputation among my colleagues for being a thespian, is it me or when somebody says you're a thespian, is there always a slightly condescending tone in their voice? Anyway, as a thespian, or actor as I prefer, it was left to me to provide the voiceover for the training video which would be given to employees all over the world, including countless people whose first language was not English. I must say, I was relieved to get good reviews from colleagues in far-flung countries, including a rave review from Karl in Germany, who also recommended that I record some audiobooks on various websites he used. Well, a few years later, when I took early retirement, I jumped at the chance, and I now record books for Calibre as a volunteer, as well as occasional professional recordings, including audiobooks and ad-hoc paid voiceover jobs, as diverse as introductions to religious podcasts and advert for a hotel luggage cart, Winston Churchill getting tetchy at a photo shoot, come on, take the damn photo, and a pompous ice skate called Divine. Uh, not an ice skater, I stress, but an ice skate. As they say, no job is too small. If you have listened to other calibre podcasts from my fellow narrators, you will know the drill. We record at home, in my case on my own equipment, I am fortunate to have a room that is little used these days, and it's there that I have set up my, quote, recording studio, end quote. This really comprises a good quality microphone and a computer, along with a vocal booth which I made myself, utilising those scenery building skills I mentioned earlier. If you want to have a go yourself, I suggest a few pieces of two-by-one timber, 
some big rectangular pieces of card or plywood about two feet by three feet, some wall insulation, some glue and staples, and material to cover it all up. In my case, the material is black, which means when I stick my head in the booth to record, as I'm doing now, it really is quite dark. I must get around to installing that LED light I keep thinking of. The other advantage of the booth is that it focuses attention on the book and I don't get distracted by what's going on out in the garden, etc. I like to think that the vocal booth helps reduce room noise and deliver a more pleasing audio experience for the listener. I guess right now you'll be forming your own opinion on the success or otherwise of my contraption. A trait you may have picked up from other podcasts is that many narrators seem to be reluctant to read sci-fi books, which is strange because, bizarrely, many of my books to date have been, indeed, sci-fi. The most recent professional book I recorded was a sci-fi novel called The Thirteenth Vote by Brendan Gavin. I worked directly with the author on the recording, which was a genuinely interesting experience because, well, usually... With calibre recordings, we narrators are judge and jury with regard to style, characterizations, and accents, etc. But with a professional recording, you have a client who wants his vision realised. 99% of the time, this works fine, but occasionally there are, shall we say, interesting exchanges. For example, the most important thing is to get sign-off on voices and accents before recording the whole book. Well, that's the plan. During the early stages of recording, I had to voice a main character who was a rather domineering female president. So between myself and the author, we agreed upon a Margaret Thatcher voice. Because, you know, it's the sort of voice that matched the character. Well, fast forward to chapter 8 or 9, and I received an email from the client saying he really wasn't happy with the voice and could we re-record it. My heart sank at the prospect, lest the actual re-recording but rather the trawling through the many hours of audio and tens of thousands of words in the text to locate the dialogue that needed to be changed. Fortunately, the client acknowledged that having signed off the work originally, he shared responsibility for the change and he did the research and I re-recorded the voice and dropped the new clips into the time codes he had located. So, goodbye to Margaret Thatcher and hello to Emma Thompson from the new 101 Dalmatians film. I have to say I was quite glad to see the back of that character, which is unusual because normally, having spent so long with characters, I'm really sad to say goodbye to them. They usually become old friends. I'm sure you feel the same when listening to a book. One of the challenges of character voices is how to maintain them throughout the book. What I tend to do is keep a set of snippet files with a few words of recording of each recurring voice. Then, when they pop up, perhaps pages or chapters later... A quick playback of their snippet file as a reminder, and I am off and running. Sometimes this is more complicated than it seems. I remember the first book I read for Calibre was a science fiction book from the 1920s called simply We by Yevgeny Yamatin. It was an unusual book, and somewhat frustratingly, 90% of the characters didn't have names. Indeed, those that did have names were actually called numbers. The heroine was simply called O. Well, I call her O. On reflection, it could have been zero, but O it was. The hero and narrator of the book was called something like D-102. But as for the rest, they tended to be referred to by physical characteristics. I had to give them names such as S-shaped man or pointy-nosed woman, or in the one case I seem to recall just old woman in chair who popped up every now and then. Another trick I use to maintain character is to adopt a physical attribute when reading. 
It could be dropping my head to one side of the mic or the other, or making strange shapes with my face for different characters. I then find when adopting the physical pose, the voice follows. As an actor, I'm a great believer in shoes helping in the rehearsal process. In fact, I remember years ago hearing Thora Heard say just that, that the characterization starts from the shoes up. So the expression might be, manners maketh the man, but I would argue shoes maketh the actor, and maybe gurning faces maketh the narrator. Of course, all this characterization development takes time and can involve a fair amount of prep work and rework, and that's why a nice patch of narrative without dialogue can be a godsend from time to time. That said, reading non-fiction, which of course doesn't usually include character dialogue, isn't always quicker to record than fiction. I remember specifically asking Calibre for a non-fiction book once so that I could add a snippet to my demo voice reel. The book was all about the Seven Years' War, all about which I soon realised I knew nothing. I didn't know, in fact, that the Seven Years' War was virtually a world war, with related conflicts being fought as far apart as Europe, India and North America. Well, in North America in particular, there were a multitude of hard-to-pronounce names and places. Many Native American names, but also lots of French-derived place names. So the recording wasn't quite as speedy as I thought. I needed frequent interruptions to look up pronunciation tips on the internet. There was a small bonus, though, because one particular word helped me win a virtual point on University Challenge one week. It was the name of a town in Pennsylvania, and it was spelt D-U-Q-U-E-S-N-E. Having stumbled over the pronunciations a few times, and with scary echoes of my word blindness at my old school assembly reading, Dukenes, Dukenes, Dukunis, etc., I gave in and looked it up on YouTube, and voila! Duquesne. Who'd have thought? Well, Bob Dylan for one, because I also found out later that he wrote a song called Duquesne Whistle, which in turn appeared in a musical I went to see a couple of years ago called Girl from the North Country. So there you go, from the Seven Years' War to West End musicals, the strange journey of a narrator's experience. Well, I should probably bring these ramblings to a close. I could drone on for hours, but much as I like the sound of my own voice, I'm sure you have heard quite enough from me for a while. I do hope we will meet again one day through the pages and sound waves of a good book. And in the meantime, happy listening. <laughs>